Good morning, church. Uh, today, we continue the conversation on heaven, and man, worship was so good, and I'm sure in your homes you feel what I feel here, but just the, the presence of God, the love of God is so tangible in this place. So, um, and heaven, the discussion of heaven, for some reason, it's as of late just made me more and more emotional. Uh, I think that the more that I study it and pray about it, the more that I sense it and I feel it. And so uh, we'll, we'll try to get through today's sermon. But before I start the sermon, I have a giveaway to the family that screams the loudest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's another way you can win. I want to give away this book, Imagine Heaven. I've been talking about it. It's a fantastic book. I know that we have a free download um, of of a version of this book, What's After Life, but we don't have the free version of this. I want to give this away. It's Imagine Heaven by the one and only John Burke. It's incredible. The stories in here are just, it, it's captivating. So how do you win this book? Good question. I would love for you to take a photo of your family right now watching online church, and you can put it on any social media platform you want, uh, Facebook, Twitter, the Gram, and just put hashtag awaken greater, hashtag awaken greater. Then we can do a search and see everyone who's posted awaken greater with a photo. Your name will go in a drawing. We will draw the winner today after service and we will mail that, put that in the mail to you uh, tomorrow morning so that you can have it and catch up and start reading with us. So again, if you want this book, it's my gift to you. Um, Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Just snap a photo of yourself, your family watching online. Tag the church. This is a great opportunity to let people know what you're doing right now. You're watching church, putting God first and his presence first and hanging out with us. So go ahead and do that. I would be glad to give you the book absolutely free. I will even pay shipping. I will pay shipping for you. Um, Let's, let's open with prayer today. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you for the next 20 minutes that we have to just dive into your word and talk about heaven. God, I thank you that you have, you have given us insight. You didn't just sit us here and, and create this grand surprise for when we die, but God, you've actually revealed through your word prophetically where we're going when we die, when we take our last breath here, where we're headed. God, I thank you for the hope that we have, not just in bringing heaven to earth in this life, but the life we have in eternity. God, I just thank you that you have made a way of escape. You've made a way of escape from all temptation. God, you've created a place that we can look towards and look to, not as an escape route, but God, just part of the story that you've designed and destined for us. So God, we invite you into this moment, into this chat. We ask that you would help us. God, give us eyes to see even beyond what the sermon notes say, beyond what the book says, even, God, beyond what we're hoping heaven to be. God, let your word come alive to us today. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen, amen, amen. All right, I want to show you a photograph that I have. I wish I had taken this photo, but I did not take this photo. Um, however, I have been here. As you know, 
probably my son, Micah, and his wife, Rachel, live in Australia. So Carrie and I have been to Australia a few times. There's a beach there, Bondi Beach, that we've been to. It's absolutely stunning and beautiful. I want you to take a look right now at Bondi Beach. Bondi Beach is gorgeous. You see the blue waves, the blue sky, the, the sand. It makes like a horseshoe. And to the left are all of these shops and restaurants. And if you look at the island that juts out into the water, I don't know why I said an island, it's a peninsula, but right there on the right, the landmass, Carrie and I stood on the top of that little mountain there and we took photos and we talked about Micah and Australia and Hillsong and leaving him for college and it was pretty emotional. We took some photos there and just, I remember, I remember standing there and feeling just the wind hit. I remember hearing the waves. There are so many things about that photo that I showed you that when I look at that photo, it just, it hits me. I remember Carrie and I were on that sidewalk where I, I told you there were shops and we were actually going to buy Micah. He had some money saved up for a surfboard because, hey, it's Australia and it's Micah. And I agreed to put in the extra money he was missing for his surfboard. So we were looking at surfboards and feeling really hip and young. And we were getting advice from the owner. And on the sidewalk, Carrie's standing there. It's just a small little shop you step into. And we run into this woman who is screaming across the way and there's a lot of commotion and it's winter time so there's not a lot of activity on the beach anyway long story short the lord orchestrated this meeting and to this day we're still friends with this wonderful family on facebook uh, but this woman was in australia she was she was a kiwi she was from new zealand and her son had just passed away he was in his mid-20s uh, recently married he was living in Australia with his new wife, and in his sleep, he died. And we were able to connect with her, meet her, pray with her. Uh, it was just such a, a God-inspired moment. And she yelled across the beach to her daughter-in-law, who was married to the son that passed away, called her over, and then the family all came over. And we stood there on the sidewalk of Bondi Beach, just praying in the spirit over this family, just loving them, imagining the pain that they were experiencing in that moment. Um, and come to find out the people we were praying for were the pastors of Bethel, New Zealand. And we didn't know that, so we got to make that connection and, and just bless one another. And when I see that picture, I think of that moment and I pray for that family. When I see that picture or Bondi Beach, I think about the last time Carrie and I went to Australia together. Micah and Rachel were married, and Micah took us to a little restaurant, and it was, it was incredible. You, you go into this doorway, and you have to go through a hallway that's pretty tight. To, then it opens up into the restaurant, and they had incredible food. And I always told Micah, next time I come, this is the place I want to eat. I don't, wonder, I don't remember the name, but he better remember, because I, I love that place. But that's what I think of when I see a picture of Bondi Beach. It's just a two-dimensional picture. 
And I get when you, you saw it, it didn't elicit all of those responses, the smells, the tastes, the thoughts, the emotions. But that's what it did for me. And all I can show you is a lifeless 2D picture of Bondi. And you probably thought it was pretty. But there's so much more than just it's pretty. Now imagine this. As this 2D picture is, to all of the experiences I've had on Bondi Beach, so is the beauty and wonder of earth to heaven. Earth is similar. It is, it is to us, but a 2D picture, black and white, grainy photo of the reality, of the majesty, of the glory of heaven. What scriptures have always told us um, about heaven, and we failed to understand, or maybe we failed to imagine, is that heaven is going to be more beautiful, more real, more alive, more vibrant than you could ever even imagine. And just so you know, for the record, when God created the earth, it, it was a reflection of, it was in tandem with, it was parallel to heaven. It, initially, God wanted to establish his kingdom on earth with humans and, and it to be perfect, but then sin, sin entered the world and this is the world we live in. But it's still pretty beautiful if you look at Bondi Beach, but it pales into comparison with heaven. Now, I know some of you uh, today are skeptical, even after I've told you stories of, of doctors, um, scientists, um, airplane pilots, pastors, teachers, all, all the, the stories that are combined in this book. Some of you are still skeptical, and I, I get that. You're asking yourself, how can there be this invisible place called heaven? I can't see it, so I can't believe it. I get you. I understand. But here's, here's the irony of it all. Science is often used to rebuff heaven to deny heaven, to say it doesn't exist. But the reality is science more and more every day is pointing to heaven's probability. And I'll give you just a few things that you could look up. In physics, uh, the Kaluza-Klein theory. Kaluza-Klein, that's not Calvin Klein. That's a different theory about underwear and jeans. Kaluza-Klein is a theory uh, of unified field theory of gravitation and electromagnetism built around the idea of an unseen fifth dimension. Science already has a theory swirling around that they believe there must be a fifth dimension. In the book, The Elegant Universe by Brian Greene, he discusses how quantum mechanics and general relativity only reconcile if there are six more invisible degrees and dimensions of the universe. In other words, science is almost saying now that the unseen reality makes sense in our scientific observation and all of the science that we now see and we assimilate into our wealth of knowledge only makes sense if it goes out to six more invisible dimensions. If science is saying there has to be more invisible dimensions than the 3D world that we currently see, why is it so illogical or crazy or reckless to believe in a heaven that you can't see? Cambridge and Princeton physicist James Jeans wrote this. 
The stream of knowledge is heading toward a non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought than like a machine. That's Cambridge and Princeton physicist. He says it's looking more non-mechanical and more like a thought. What is he saying? He's saying the more that we understand about this life, the more we must believe that it is only a thought in the mind of something greater than humanity. It's not a mechanical design that grows by existence of layer upon layer. It is a thought, intelligent design. John 14 tells us that Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. And I don't know what dimension that's in. I have no idea, but, but here's what I do know. The Bible says an awful lot about heaven. John 14 says he goes to prepare a place for us. And in the Bible, there, there are many Johns, by the way. So there's a John I referenced at the beginning of service, John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, he wore camel's hair, had matted hair, probably had lice, really bad breath, probably only a couple teeth. And he, he was screaming, repent, repent, John the Baptist. I'm not talking about that, John. Uh, there's another John. He's a rapper. His name is Lil John. I'm not talking about that, John. <laughs> there's another John, the apostle John, the beloved. I'm talking about that John. In Revelation 21, John describes a place where people from every tribe, every nation, were holding palm branches. John describes a river flowing from the center of, of heaven, from the throne of God, that flows out in the middle of Main Street. And, and on the sides of Main Streets are are trees, trees with 12, 12 fruit, actually. Fruit that you can consume and leaves, it says leaves, that heal the nations. You, do you know any nations that need healing today? Because heaven is the solution for healing to the nations. And Paul, that's John, but Paul in Second Corinthians he tells the story. You know, Paul persecuted Christians. He was a bad, bad guy before he became a good guy. And he many times uh, was preaching the gospel. There's one point where he got stoned, and we think, we think he had a near-death experience, an NDE, which is what this book is. Thousands of people have clinically died, crossed over into heaven, and come back uh, to tell about it. We believe that Paul had an NDE, near-death experience, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2. And he says, hey, I know a man. He didn't even say himself. That's funny. I, I know a man that 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. What he's saying is it was so real. It was more real than me talking to you, Paul says. So I, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. It was just so real. 14 years ago, he was caught up to the third heaven. What's the third heaven? Great question. The first heaven, we believe to be the atmosphere of earth. The second heaven is outer space. And the third heaven is uh, the literal heaven where we are going to live forever. So Paul says he was caught up into the third heaven. He went from here to, to heaven, heaven. He doesn't know if he was in his body or not. Now, I don't know, if I went to heaven, 
I've actually prayed this many times. I've prayed for God to, to transport me or give me a vision of heaven, just a glimpse into heaven. I've, it's been a prayer for most of my life, probably uh, more than I care to admit. I've prayed this prayer. Um, I, I don't really like to admit it because the prayer also says, but God, I want that without any trauma. So I don't want to have to recover from anything. I just want to be safely asleep and you take me to heaven like a good little vacation. And then I come home and I don't have to unpack with physical therapy. Uh, so anyway, um, if I went to heaven, I don't think I would have waited 14 years like Paul. The moment I got back from heaven, which is probably why the Lord's not taking me there, I would have already been on Facebook or Twitter saying, y'all, you'll never believe where I went. Hashtag awaken greater. I would have, I would have been like, y'all, I was in heaven and, and I saw, I saw Daniel and I saw Samson and, and I saw some people in heaven that I've missed and I saw some people in heaven. I didn't think they were going to be in heaven. And I saw all of this stuff, y'all. And, you know, we'd be in a conversation. And you'd say, oh, what'd you do today? Oh, I didn't do anything today. But, you know, two years ago, I went to heaven. <laughs> I just, I would, I would say it, but Paul doesn't. He doesn't say it for 14 years. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And in verse 10, he goes on to say that these things are only revealed by the Spirit. And many of us have never considered the fact that what we love here on earth will also be present in heaven. You like to go camping, you can go camping in heaven. You like to mountain climb, you can mountain climb in heaven. You like to go hiking, you can go hiking in heaven. You like to swim, you can swim in heaven. And you don't have to worry about not breathing under the water. You like to fish, you can fish, you can catch and release in heaven. You like to eat, you are going to eat in heaven. You may not be hungry or starving, but we are going to eat some incredible food. In fact, I'm looking forward to when Jesus returns in the rapture and we begin a seven-year banquet, a feast, a wedding feast. We're going to eat and we're going to celebrate and we're going to party. I'm looking forward to that day where I can eat and drink anything without allergies and I can eat and drink anything without calories. Can I get a good amen from anybody here today? Near-death near experiences report several things on the beauty of heaven. They say the colors are more vibrant and more blended than anything they've ever seen. There are a million shades of red. There are a million shades of blue. They see colors that they don't even have vocabulary for in heaven. They also say that light goes through everything. That the Bible says that the Lamb of God is the light. There is no sun and moon and all of that jazz needed for light. The Lamb of God is the light. So the light that is permeating everything in heaven is literally the glory of God. It goes through the leaves. It goes through the tree branches. It goes through the walls. Everything has a distinct color, yet it is illuminated with the light and the glory of God. They also say um, the colors have sound. 
one person said they could sit there in the field and listen to the colors all day. Isn't that amazing? I, I, some people say the grass and the palm trees, palm branches, and the, the trees are their, their favorite. The way that they, they, they sound, the way that they look, the way that they move. Heaven is beautiful. The weather, you never have to worry like I did a few years back in an RV trying to outrun a tornado in Oklahoma. You don't have to worry about hunkering down for any kind of hurricane. You don't have to worry about earthquakes. You don't have to worry about fires that take uh, possessions. You don't have to worry about tsunamis. You don't have to worry about lightning. You don't have to worry about anything. The air in heaven from many of the reports in this book and uh, over the thousand reports, people that were interviewed, they say that the air is more crisp than anything they've ever experienced in all of their life. In fact, there was a study done by blind, there were 21 blind people that had been blind since birth, since birth. So they had never seen anything. And they died, clinically died, no heartbeat, no pulse, no brain activity. They died uh, came, went to heaven, came back, and they all reported the same, seeing the same things that people who are believers and, and have sight reported seeing in heaven. I'm telling you, church, heaven is real. All of these things, even, even people who haven't read Revelations 21 and 22, John's account of heaven, his description of heaven, it lines up from the book of Daniel to the book of Revelations to every story that we're seeing and encountering of people who have gone to heaven and come back. It's the same. Heaven is a, a good place. And actually, I want you to understand that the earth is wounded and marred. This is a marred creation. When we try to see heaven or think of heaven in light of earth, we look through a glass dimly. Heaven is, heaven is creation as it was meant to be. And Paul says, he explains in Romans 8, verses 18 through 22, he says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The beauty of earth that we encounter now is just pointing to our eternal place. You know, I've always hated the phrase rest in peace. And that's just a personal thing. Because when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be resting in peace. And I know what they really mean. They mean finally the rest of our Savior, the rest of um, eternally, eternal salvation. I, I get all of that. Um, but when I die, if I die before Jesus comes back, please don't put R.I.P. on my tombstone. Put uh, P.I.P., partying in peace. How about that? I'm going to just party forever. There won't be resting. I'm finally going to have all the energy to keep up with my wife, who likes to go hiking nonstop every day from sunup to sundown um, and garden from sunup to sundown. Like, it's going to be fantastic. 
earth labors under famine, disease, decay, death. Here we understand, like we're in a pandemic, guys. We understand what it means for the earth to labor and to groan and to moan for the coming of our Lord so that the sons and daughters can be revealed. And I just want to say to you right now that Lamentations 3.24, we think Jeremiah wrote this book. And he was writing it because he was, he was really distraught that his, his nation was going downhill, like many of you here today. In 324, Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. We have to think eternal, church. I know, I'm, I'm worried about the economy too. I, I'm worried about people getting sick too. I'm, I'm worried the HEB is only letting me buy two things of chicken at once, too. Like, I get all of the concerns that we have with our family, with health, with society, with culture, with the economy, with the world. I, I get all of that, but I just have to remind each and every one of us here today that we do not live for that which is temporary, but we live only for that which is eternal. And though the flowers... Uh, may fade here on earth and the grass may wither here. The word of the Lord stands forever. And that's what you and I have to be focused on, especially with all of the distractions. Yes, I said distractions of chaos, of a pandemic, of the world's ending. We have to focus on what we know to be true, to be everlasting and eternal. And that is the word of God. How do you know if you're living for eternity? It's a good question. I've been asking myself that, evaluating that myself. I, I've asked myself, am I focused on helping people to know Jesus? To know Jesus. At the end of the day, if my love doesn't point to a creator, a Christ, a redeemer, a savior, then I've not rescued the world. I've only loved them to hell. Am I introducing people to Jesus? The second thing, if I'm going to ask myself, am I thinking eternally, is am I investing my time, energy, and resources in things that will last for eternity? Am I being diligent with the things that the Lord has given me? I know Carrie and I talked just this past week, and, and she came to me, and we were having a chat about investing above our tithe. And I'm talking financially here, but it could be anything. It could be your time. It could be your prayer, anything. She said, we've got to invest beyond our tithe and offering to the church. Now, we give to the church more than our 10% because we tithe and we offer, but we've now started giving money to other people. We've been giving money to evangelists. We gave just this week money to a church, in, a small church in Pflugerville. Because we understand that these things are the eternal things. You want to be found successful in the eyes of the Lord, even through this pandemic, this thing that makes us feel so isolated from one another. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is, is like the hall of faith, hall of fame for the people with faith. Hebrews 11 goes through and talks about all of these people. And then, 
in verse 13 through 16, I'm going to read the Passion Translation. It says, these heroes, these heroes all died still clinging to their faith, not even receiving all that had been promised to them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promise and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. For clearly those who live this way are longing for the appearing of a heavenly city. And if their hearts were still remembering what they left behind, they would have found an opportunity to go back. They weren't longing for their homeland. They were longing for a place that was in front of them, not behind them. But they couldn't turn back for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater. That is the heavenly realm. So because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God, for he has promised and prepared a heavenly city for them. We know from scripture that those who look forward to heaven with anticipation, not anxiety, will be rewarded in heaven. So I hope to stir some hope in you today to paint a picture on potentially a blank canvas that you've had of heaven. And I just want you to know in heaven, people are very real. Love is very real. Grass, trees, rivers, and streams, very real. Hugs and kisses, very real. And someday, someday if when Jesus comes back and you are found in him, you'll be going to that city. Heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for redeemed people. Some of you today are sitting there saying, Pastor Trey, I, I love thinking about heaven, but I've been bad. And heaven's for good people. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible nowhere says that heaven is for good people. Heaven is for people who want to go there, who want a relationship with Jesus Christ, who said yes to him, who has who's made the Lord their, their savior, who have repented from their sins and they're not perfect and they stumble and they make poor decisions and maybe they still step into the nature of sin. You know, once you say yes to Jesus, you no longer have a sin nature. You have a divine nature that you have access to, but that doesn't mean you can't sin by choice. And some of us will sin by choice, but heaven isn't made for the people who are perfect. Heaven is made for the people who surrender. And I'm asking you today, because it's time. It's time to wave that white flag. It is time to admit that you've tried to do this on your own and it's not succeeding. You've, you've tried to make a way on your own and it's not working. It's time, the Lord's been calling you. You've been pushing back the gospel because of your intelligence level. You think you can find a way outside of the gospel but there is no other way except through Jesus Christ. So today I wanna to pray for you. I know you're there, I know you're watching. The Lord loves you so much. 
If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, just place your hand on your heart. For those of you who are already followers of Jesus, you are a believer. I'm going to ask you to stop what you're doing right now. Put all of your focus and attention on this moment. Pray for the people who are making this decision. Pray that distractions will not be there. Pray for the courage to well up within them. Just pray that they sense and feel and see and hear and know the Spirit of God in this moment. But if that's you, you're ready to say yes, just say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I say yes to you, God. I repent from my sins. I turn from my sins and I turn my eyes to you, Lord. In this moment, my life will never be the same. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those that just prayed that prayer, you meant it in your heart, and you believe that Jesus died on a cross, rose again on the third day so that you and I can be in relationship with him. You just said, yes, I want you to scroll down on the page and I want you to click that button. I said yes, because we want to partner with you. We want to go with you on this journey. God bless you. We love you guys so much.